Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we are going to talk about the magic of the demo. Because when you look at what's happening on LinkedIn and on the space and the influencers, there's always talk about prospecting. There's always talk about discovery and qualifying. But when it comes to the actual art and science of running a world-class demo, there's actually not a lot of information out there. And that's why I'm so pumped to have more Asaline on the call today, the founder of From Demo to Close, to talk about how to run a demo. How do you get someone interested in what you want? How do you get them to start the buying process to go to a much higher close rate? So we're going to dive into tone. We're going to dive into questions, the demo itself, and show you how to close more deals. More, my man. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate it. Love being around here. Let's go, baby. I'm ready for this. So you, you know my style is very similar to yours. Yeah. No fluff, no backstories, no how'd you get into sales. Let's yeah. talk about the demo, right? Because this is where, you know, we work so hard to get someone to it. And then all of a sudden it just turns into a feature dump, right? Backstories, logos. So like, let's start with what the things you've seen that people do wrong in the demos. Like what are some of the most common errors you're seeing? And then we'll start getting into like what to do about it. Yeah. My, I always default to the immediate answer of uh, lack of discovery or, or very shallow discovery. Um, so they'll ask maybe a question like, What's the reason that you're, and I always bring this example because that's the question you should be asking on every demo, but what's the reason you've scheduled the demo? Let's assume for a minute it was an inbound lead because it depends if it's coming from outbound or inbound, but let's assume it's inbound motion and they scheduled a demo. So uh, uh, AE asked the prospect, what's the reason that you scheduled a demo? Prospect says, yeah, we're looking to improve our current system. We want to look for a more robust system. And AE goes on to the next question. 
Um, and that's called shallow discovery. They don't, what does that even mean? Robust system and easy to use system um, dig and they don't dig enough. And I don't know if they don't dig enough because they feel like they're imposing um, or two, they feel like they, that's enough of information. Um, a lot of times they feel like they are imposing. They feel like they are interrogating because I asked them, how come you didn't dig enough? And they're like, yeah, I don't want to like bother them with more questions. And so I, I think that's one of the reasons. Okay. So let's keep going down that path there, right? So then how can an AE or SDR, maybe if they were the ones running the disco call, how can they set the stage to be able to ask more of these questions and to be able to dig a little bit deeper without it feeling like an interrogation? Yeah. Um, so I think it's sort of like what we're doing, right? We're just having a conversation and then I, I gave you an answer and then you're like, all right, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. You're just, you're doing discovery on me right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the mistake that AEs make is like, they'll ask a question, they'll get the answer and then they'll move on straight to the next question. They don't, don't even like acknowledge what they just heard. So a trick to do this is sort of like acknowledge what you heard from the prospect. So if the prospect said, uh, yeah, we're looking to, we're, the reason, uh, the reason why I booked the demo is because we're looking to get, have a more robust system. So like how to dig there, be like, when you say more robust system, how do you mean? So like repeat back what the prospect said and then just follow it up with a question. Yeah, I like that. One of the things that we worked on a lot with our closers was like acknowledge and ask more, right? Like, oh, robust, I like that. Tell me a little bit more. What does that yeah. mean? Like, go, go deeper in that. I haven't heard that before. And just letting them go a little bit more in discovery. Yeah. One thing I noticed that, um, and I have like, a, I'm 50, 50 on this, whether I like it or I don't like it, but when the demo, right, like I say demo, because I think every demo should have a discovery, but <clears throat> the AE will say something like, all right, um, I have, they'll set the agenda for the call they'll set the stage for the call. And then they'll say something like, all right, I, I have some questions I want to ask you. Um, I don't know if I like it or I don't like it. Cause the moment you say that it then becomes an interrogation versus like small talk, small talk and be like, by the way, um, What's the, like, just throw in like a, by the way, like I, I, by the way, I noticed that blank. Um, how did you, you know, hear about us? And then they give you like naturally transition into the conversation with your questions. Don't even tell me about that question. Just naturally do it. Um, that if you notice people that are really good networkers, they don't go to a networking event or a media stream and be like, all right, I have questions to ask you. They just sort of strike a conversation. Um, like I, I remember I went to, a. Uh, an event once and the person um, so I'm Jewish and it was like a, a holiday and so the person that was leading the services was singing a tune of the prayer but it was a tune that not many people knew about and afterwards I didn't know this person I came up to him I was like by the way was that tune this particular singer he's like yeah like oh I love that singer did you hear and I just went straight into the discovery side and we stayed in touch we connected on Instagram we became good friends so just naturally going into it and stop thinking about it as like I need to ask these questions just have conversation yeah because i i do like it in discovery as long as it's done for the right reasons right because i do think it's important to set the stage a little bit of like what's about to happen but it's connecting the dots on why they benefit from you yeah. asking the questions right so it's not just i have a couple of questions to ask you would that be okay it's like hey i have a few questions to ask you to make sure we're not covering things that don't matter or to make sure we're not wasting your time or that we're not going down a path that isn't relevant would that be okay? And now you have permission to ask those mm. questions, right? So they don't, because also too in disco, like I might be sitting there like, I just want to know price. I just want to know price. I just want to know price. Whereas yeah. if I've given permission, all right, well, yeah, go ahead and ask a few questions. Now I can, and you can guide it along the way there. 
yeah, that's the other 50, 50% side of me where I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm okay with setting up the stage by saying I have questions if it's relevant, like you just said. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm, I'm always a, down the middle with that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the, the trick is in, like to remove the interrogation side of it is just instead of jumping to the next question after you've got your answer, like it's very, it's sort of like a, a selfish thing. Like you got what you wanted, now you're getting, you, you keep taking and taking and taking. Um, and so providing some sort of feedback to that prospect after you get the, the answer and then moving on to your next question. I like that. And I think, and that's where, you know, so a lot of reps miss in discovery for sure. They just completely miss it. But also too, the next thing I see a lot, and I'd love your feedback on is even if they did good discovery, they don't use it. It's yeah. like they ask the questions yeah. and then it gets into the demo and then nothing. So like, how should they be using the information they learned in discovery in the demo? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that happen a lot where I've told an AE, ask about who else they're evaluating as far as competitor wise, and then justify your question to let them know that this way you can, they can, you can compare and contrast for them, but they never did on the demo. And then I call them out. They am like, you're a liar. Then you, 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 you should lie to them. But um, <clears throat> going back to your question. Um, so there are three questions I think are extremely important to find out before you even get started with a demo. It's the why, it's the goals, and it's the timeline. So the why would be like, hey, Kevin, I saw that you scheduled a demo. Um, curious, what's the reason that you decided to schedule a demo? But I'm looking for your... Usually when I ask the what's the reason question, I'm getting a pain point slash challenge response. Yeah, we don't, we're using this. We don't like it, blah, 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 whatever. Let's assume now I get the answer to the why question. The next question, after I find out the challenge is your, your expectations, your goals. So... Uh, hey, Kevin, if, if you were to choose, whether it's us, whether it's patient pop, whether it's another competitor, what would success look like to you in the first 90 days? That usually gets me to get the prospect to talk about their goals and their aspirations and what they want, not necessarily what they need or what they want to solve, but which what they want. And then so now I have challenges and I have their and I have their goals. The next question I need to find out is the timeline question, like, are they looking to accomplish this next year, next six months? What is it? So I'll say something like, Hey, Kevin, so it sounds like what you're trying to do is you're currently losing money using XYZ software and you're spending about four hours a month. And what you'd like to get to is only work an hour a month and be able to work on blah, 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 right? And you'll say yes. Okay, so when would you like to accomplish that by? And then that usually gives me the timeline question where it's like, well, you need this yesterday or we need this next quarter or we need this next month. Next month as in the 31st or as in the 15th. Um, and then I'll feel more comfortable going into the demo. Obviously, there are a lot more questions, but when I go into the demo and before I talk about a feature, um, I won't just present the feature as like, all right, let me show you this feature. I'll weave, I'll like sort of like uh, uh, leverage what I've learned from Disco to present the feature. So I'll say something like, uh, Kevin, you mentioned earlier that one of the things that you're, you're spending a lot of time with every month is manually typing in the hours for everybody on the CRM. So one thing that I think will help you save about two hours a month is the ability to do X, Y, Z. Then I'll start talking about the feature. So the time in which you should use Disco throughout the demo is before you present a feature. Call out what you've heard from them and then bring up, bring up the, the actual feature. Yes. And I think that's so important. I want to get super tactical here real quick. Cause one, I want people that are listening right now. I want you to go back and listen how he can't even help, but do clarifying questions, even while he's role-playing. Like, did y'all catch that? He says, Oh, like next month. Oh, by next month. Do you mean like, it's just so immediate for you to ask like the clarifying questions, which I love. 
Now, how do you remember to do this? Or how do you remember to bring these things back up? Because I think people miss on this often. It's like, hey, you ask the question, how are you remembering to connect the dots? Or how are you bringing that back up into the demo? Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a hack because the real way to remember anything is pre and post demo repetition. So um, like, how do you, like I used to play basketball in high school on varsity. Like how would I remember to do a certain move? I wouldn't remember to do it on the spot. I'd remember it by watching gameplay footage or going back to the, so the only way to remember is to practice after the call and then before the call. So role-playing before the call, after the call, if you do this enough time, you're, you're, where practicing is just like waking up and brushing your teeth. It's just sort of a routine. It you'll naturally just remember. Um, I mean, one of the things when, like if you were to join, even if I were to join a company now and do demos, I'd probably tank. I wouldn't do the demos the way I'm preaching it because there's a learning curve. So the way I would remember things to, to remind myself like, Oh, make sure to ask this. I was taking a little sticky note and then just like very small, like, like big letters, but like very few letters, Put it on my, my my computer screen and hopefully i'll remember to look at it but otherwise there is no hack to remember it, in my opinion i think the way to do it is just practice enough times where it becomes second nature yeah no for for sure and i think and that's the the confidence to do it i will give a little hack here and salespeople aren't going to like this hack but it actually works take notes y'all take notes but keep them in front of them and what i teach my team is called the t mm. method right so you draw like a t on a piece of paper on the left side, you're writing down what they said. On the right side, you're tracking how often you can bring it back up, right? So someone says that like, yeah, like you we're wasting two hours. You write down wasting two hours. And then you keep track. How many times can you bring back up wasting two hours on that demo? But we, we trust our memories in sales too much, Yeah. right? Because let's be honest, salespeople, when we're asking these questions, are we always listening or are we like asking the questions, but we're thinking about what we're going to ask next. So take notes on these calls too. Yeah. You know, something when I used to do a interview AEs, one of the, the criteria for them to even be considered for the role is how fast they type. Um, so I would do a, a, a typing test. Um, and the reason why it was so important because I want them to be able to listen and type at the same time and not look at the keyboard. It's so like, I'm like when I'm listening to a call, I will write down not only like what you say, but how you say it. So like mm-hmm. Kevin sounded frustrated, whatever it is, right? Like when he said this, yes. um, um, so typing fast is really important. Going to your point. Yeah, I guess that is a hack to keep the notes. So I'll usually have like, obviously I have two screens and on one screen, I have my CRM open with the, the note section opened up. And I have, if you're using HubSpot, let's say HubSpot has a feature it's called snippets where you can save, you can say like hashtag D is like a keyword key, uh, yeah, keyword that you can save. And when you click hashtag D, it'll populate all your questions that you've po- that you've created before. And so that's an easy way to not have to type up all the questions It's in advance. And then always have that notepad open. I think where AEs like freak out or they like what you said, they forget is they feel they don't have control. They don't feel comfortable like with silence. Like they're like just jumping on to next thing. So like I've been on a call where I, I had, I wanted to like ask the prospect something. And, and because I was like confident on the call, but like I, Kevin, I wanted to ask you something. What was it? Like I'll feel comfortable in that moment and I'll look up the question, but like, ah, there it is. That's what I wanted to ask you. And then I'll ask that question. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so crucial there. And like, again, these are tactics y'all that I want you to listen, not just what he's saying, but also what he has. He has his questions ready. He has them in front of him, right? This isn't like a, oh, like you get no bonus points for not using 
your script or checklist on a call. You get no bonus points for that. No one's like, oh, great job. You didn't have your questions in front of you. Have them ready, y'all. And you can yeah. hear it in his voice. You can say, okay, great. You know what? I think we have what we have here. Let me double. Oh, I totally forgot to ask you, like, when are you hoping to get this done? Yeah. Right? Like, and so one of the things, though, that I want us to pivot to now that I hope people are listening to is our tone. Right. So be even being able to ask like, oh, wait, I totally forgot more. Like, what, what are we doing here? The tone lets you get away with that a little bit. And right before we hit record, you already talked about tone, which I think is so important. Let's bring this up now, like the tone through discovery and demo. What are some of the things that you teach or coach people on around tone? Yeah. So tone, like um, one thing I say about tone is like, what is it? It's so if you were to type up an email, let's say, and you wanted to like emphasize certain words like free or like only, what would you do? You would bold the word only, you would underline free, like you'd create contrast in the email and the words. And so tone of voice is tonality is exact same, exact same thing. Except if you're not writing, you're, you're talking. And so tonality provides contrast in what you're saying. And so um, there are like the framework for tone of voice. It's tone of, it's the tone of voice, which is what I call like voice sentiment, which is like your emphasis. So um, like you said, I, I, oh, I forgot to ask you, you did that role play. Oh, I forgot to ask you that, that sentiment was like, oh shit, I forgot. Like, mm -hmm. hold on. It was a certain feeling that I felt um, pace of speech. That's how fast or slow you're saying the words. Um, so you could say something like um, um, an example, if you're like, if you're able to migrate someone's data in, in just 10 minutes, you can see the word in just 10 minutes, either really fast to show that it's quick or really slow. So, hey, Kevin, if you sign up with PatientPop today, we'd be able to migrate your data in just 10 minutes. I slow down the words in just 10 minutes. And then the last part of the framework is fluctuation of voice. So that's your high or low pitch. Um, so like the, the perfect, I, I do this every time. Uh, we'll do a little experiment. I do this in my workshop. Um, I want you to say the word like tiny, just like say it. Tiny. Okay. Now I want you to say it again, but before you say it, I want you to like envision in your head, what tiny actually looks like, like visualize it and then say it again. Tiny. All right. So if, if you were to close your eyes and listen to that, you're, you said it the first time tiny. The second time you said it was tiny. And like, when I do this in the workshop, I have everyone, they go like this tiny and everybody's like eyes squint and their fingers go say, do the same thing. Huge, huge. And then now visualize it. Huge eyebrows go up, eyes widen up. Um, and so these are three things that you can play with when you're talking about tone of voice. The easiest way to do it is just to get animated. Um, use your hands. That's why keeping video on is so important. I, I, I didn't realize that sales, there are still sales reps not having their video on. Like, yeah. Yeah. Insane. Funny story. I didn't keep it on for, for years. I was like, no, it's stupid. People are going to judge me. I look too young. They're not going to like how I look, whatever it is. So I made assumptions and then I saw the data out there. I'm like, you know, what? let me just test it out. And it just, it's yeah. I'll, I'll never go back to not having video. Yeah. Like again, hack y'all turn your video on, yeah. dress up, turn your video on. All you need is a white wall behind you. Like if you have to reorg the room to make sure you have a, what like, but be on video. Cause again, tone, right? Like we forget about this tone is everything digitally because you don't get body language as much. If you can give some body language, they can see your hands, your eyes, yeah. that you're smiling, all of that. It really carries weight, right? Now, let's go one step lower here then too, is like, are there places where you're using tone intentionally, right? So there are there places where you're like, I slow down here on 
purpose or when I'm talking about pricing, I use a certain tone or when I'm talking about features, like where do you apply the tone? Yeah. So t- for me, at least tone comes off very naturally. Um, it, I think it comes out very naturally for you uh, when you were like, uh, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Like you role played that. That was a very natural thing that you did. Even what I just said, that was a very natural thing that I did. I said, that's a very natural thing mm-hmm. that I did. Um, so I don't think about it really. Um, but you see that word, I said the word, but, and I emphasized, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of second nature. Um, yeah. So it's hard for me to answer that one, but wow. if you're talking, I guess like a hack for someone that it doesn't come off naturally, then if there are, um, punchlines in what you want to say, so maybe it's a feature that has a punchline. If it's, let's just say you're able to migrate data in just 10 minutes and that's like a punchline for you, then that's where you should emphasize. So if I were an AE listening to this episode or a sales manager, VP of sales, make a list of your punchlines for your features, make a list of your punchline for your customer, whatever it is that you want to drive home that is really important, that makes you different as a software. And then that's where you should emphasize it. I like that. Okay, perfect. And so now let's then transition into the actual running of a demo. And you kind of, you touched on a little bit towards the beginning. I want to really dive into this now around like, so I've done good discovery. I've taken notes. I've practiced enough so like my tone can be natural in the right moments. Now, how do I run a demo? Like what are things that have to occur in that demo in order to drive close rates up? Yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, um, you don't wanna wait till the end of the demo to find out if the prospect is interested in purchasing or making decisions. So what you should do is what I call gauging interest. Um, and so that you do that throughout the demo, it's, it's sort of like a, a continuous discovery motion where after you show a particular feature, well, side note, let me backtrack even more. So let's hold on that for a minute. Right. Only show the features, at least in the beginning, prioritize the features that solve the prospect's problem, the challenge yes. and align to their goal. So if they want to solve a problem or achieve a goal, start with those particular features. Don't waste your time with like the bells and whistles. So that's number one. So, okay, so you showed them that. The second thing is now um, gauge interest. So after you've shown them a feature that was aligned to a problem that they solved. So, hey, uh, prospect, you had mentioned that one of your challenges using HubSpot was X and um, let me show you. And then you show it to them. After you show them that feature, you ask them, Does this, is this aligned with what you're looking for? Because if they say yes, then you're one step closer to the close. If they say no, you shouldn't move on, move on until you figure it out. Hold on, what's happening here? So there are different questions you can ask to gauge interest. Is this aligned to what you're looking for? Is this what you're expecting? Um, you mentioned that Sally on your team, on your marketing team would be using this. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it today. What do you think she would say about this? Like get, get, getting feedback from what you just showed them would allow you to actually improve your, your chances of closing the demo. Because if you ignore it and you just ask, any questions? And then you move on. You have no idea if they like it or they don't like it. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. What, one of the things that we focus a lot on, we call them BLCs, which were benefit-laden check-ins. So not saying like, does that make sense? But asking a question where you can get them to tell you the benefit, right? Yeah. So how would this impact? How would you use this? How does this compare? Is this faster or slower than you do it now? What will this allow you to do? right? Where you get them to tell you the benefit back versus, so more, this is going to let you be so much faster. Does that align? You can also say like, how much faster is this compared to what you're doing right now? Yeah. And they tell you, well, that's considerably faster. It's like, so is that aligned? And then you get that double, right? Of like the alignment, like them to tell you the benefit back. So I love, I love that. 
Okay, so now, so I, I, I want to, we went through it too fast. <laughs> Focusing on the things that matter to them early in the demo is so important, y'all. This is not one of those, like, save it to the end so you can right. make, like, a, a big ending. You lost me 20 minutes ago because I'm sitting there bored. So that's so important. Prioritize yeah. that. Then we're getting, like, the pre-sell, the engagements, like, you know how they're going. Then what do we do? So, I mean, so you've already gone through the demo. Let's assume you've gone through the d disco, you've done the demo, you've, ga you've gauged interest, they're interested. Now you're, you're sort of talk going through the price. Where I see AEs sort of stumble, they sound really confident when they're talking about features and benefits and all this crap, but they go to the price and they're sort of fumbling, either stuttering, they're talking faster, they're, they're not comfortable in the space. Like if you ever notice someone um, that isn't comfortable um, uh like for me, for example, I need to hold something when I'm standing. If I'm talking to somebody, I can't just keep my hands flat. So I get a little, I fumble a little bit, but AEs, people that are really comfortable in just holding nothing, they're comfortable with your hands open and talking like that. And so my, the metaphor here is you should feel like your the pricing should be the most comfortable area of the demo, in my opinion, the most it, it, it can't be like, all right, let's go over pricing. And, you know, I don't want to like impose on you the pricing. It, you should be very confident around the pricing. The way to do that is just you slow down what you, you how you speak. After you talk about the pricing, you don't speak first. I, I, people tend to speak first because they, they feel awkward in awkward silences. And, and so uh, pricing is, a, is another area um, before obviously the next steps and all that stuff, but pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's key. And it, it's funny because I think a lot of reps obviously get nervous there. Because now it's like, this is where the rejection can come, or this is where the no can come. But also funny enough, it's one of the things that we also do the least, right? You get to run a lot of discovery and you get to run a certain amount of demos. You don't always get to do pricing for everybody. So they actually don't get to present pricing as often, which I also think back to an earlier point you made, which is the repetition. They don't practice this enough. Yeah, they, they don't they practice don't. it. No one practices like the segments of this, right? Everyone practices that demo then pricing, negotiation, the trade, the back and forth, they don't, they don't do those things, right? And so one of the things that you talk about in your content, right, is like, you know, creeping towards this 50% close rate, you know, being able to close 50%. If you think about the best students that you've worked with and the orgs you've put together, like we started with, you know, what do people do wrong? What, how do the best piece this together? Like when you look at the reps that are closing 40, 50% of the deals, how are they bringing this all together to accomplish that? Yeah, it, so it's it's they they take everything that we just talked about. So they don't if they have a forty five minute demo, they don't they don't really milk the entire forty five minutes unless the prospect wants. But uh, the main thing is they they actually leverage the discovery that they learned earlier on, and they don't leverage it just on the feature side. They leverage it throughout, like even at the end of the pricing. Um, mm. Hey, you mentioned that you wanted to um, uh, implement this by March fifteenth. Um, in terms of timeline and in terms of what you've seen, does this fit? Does this software fit what you're looking for? Yes or no? So you're gauging interest again. Um, and then they essentially go for the close. Um, so in like one line that I like to say, it depends. this is more of a line that drives more urgency than anything else. But um, this, may, uh, this may sound overly ambitious, Kevin, but, and then I go for my sort of my ask. So Kevin, I know this is going to sound overly ambitious, but um, you had mentioned that you wanted to sign up in, on the 15th. I know you're really busy and you're onboarding two other AEs. Once you on, onboard them, you won't really have time. What if we did this? What if we get you signed up today, get you booked on a call with onboarding next week, 
This way you'll be um, ahead of schedule for the 15th. You won't feel stressed out. And if you sign up today, we'll be able to maybe slash off like 10% off the price. Would that work for you? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going for the close. Um, I think AEs don't know how to, not all, but they don't know how to actually go for the close. They're like, all right, so I'll send you an email with some steps and then we'll get something on the calendar. Like they don't know what to do after. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's another one. I, I love the way that you ask that though. The what if we, it's just a softer way to ask. It's not as aggressive. It's not, can I get you going right now? It's like, well, what, what if we, if we, yeah. now, what if we did this, right? I always love the, how could we get this done by X, right? And being able to put some of that mm. back. Collaboration, yeah. Right, like, so, I mean, you're, to your point, right? You're going to onboard two AEs and God, like your time's going to disappear. You won't have time for this. And this actually will help you. Like, how could we get this done before they start? Right, like, what would that take? And having a conversation there, but having, like being confident, because it's true. Most sales reps actually don't ask for the close. They're hoping that the buyer says, I'm mm-hmm. ready to buy. You want them just to be able to say, yes, closing should be a yes. Can we get you started today? Can we start working with you today? Can we start like, yes, that's the close versus what do you want to do? Yeah. Pressure on the buyer. That's why I think the, like, I always go, I always say like closing doesn't start at the end of the call. It starts in the beginning of the call and then throughout the demo, when you're doing the discovery, when you're, you're doing the upfront contract, when you're gauging interest to see if, if it's aligned with what they're looking for. Because if you're doing that throughout the demo, by the end of the demo, you'll already know. It's not like anecdotally, you'll know. You'll know because you've asked those, does this align with what you're looking for question? You'll know if it's a fit or not. You'll just now reinforce it to the prospect and confirm that it is a fit. And then if it's like, I've heard, I heard a demo yesterday, I was listening to a call of an AE and the prospect was clearly like, yes, I like this. Let's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. And the AE was sort of like fumbling on the on demo. They could have asked right then and there. So Kevin, it sounds like it is a fit. My next question is, what can I do today to earn your business? Like just a straight up question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you don't, you, you should ask that question when, like everything is aligned. If you obviously if like, there's a lot of like, I'll get back to you on this because I'm not really sure of the answer or whatever it is, then maybe don't ask that question. Use that for a follow-up. But um, yeah. No, I think that it's so important, y'all. And I, I've said this a lot on podcasts and on stage and things like that. The close to me is the least exciting part of this. Yeah. The close is easy. Getting someone ready to close is the hard part. And that's what we've been talking about today is how do you get someone to that peak emotional and rational state to say, yes, I'm willing to change, right? Yes, I'm willing to do this, which is the last question I wanted to dive into before we wrap up is, you know, how do you get people to move away from what they're doing right now? Because so often, right, the number one reason deals lose is no change occurs, right? They don't go with you, but they also don't go with somebody else. They never actually make that change. So do you have like ways or tactics or ideas on like how to move people away from what they're doing right now so that they're ready for that change? Yeah, I mean, no, again, my, my answer is going to sound like repetitive, but it comes down to like the discovery question of timeline earlier on. It just keeps going back to that. Because if you don't ask that question, you'll find yourself in a situation where you're like, how do I make this person move? Like, I don't know. How do I, someone messaged me the other day, how do I send an email to get them to close? And I asked them, do you know what their timeline is? And they said, no. I was like, then how can you ask them to close? Um, but let's assume for a minute that you're obviously selling an SMB type of software, not enterprise, where it really is just signing up and, and testing it out. Um, and so one of the things that you to do is to get them sticky. 
um, with the software. And so if you're on the, on the call, you could do something like this. Hey, Kevin, why don't we do this? Um, you mentioned that you want to be able to play around with this. So let's create, an, let's create a free trial for you right now. Like, I'm not even going to ask them. I'm just going to do it. And then, and then I'll create the free trial for them. If they stop me, then fine, they'll stop me. Um, and then I'll get them to sign up for, for the free trial so they can actually test it. Um, and then I'll set up like the next steps agenda for them on the calendar. I'll say something like, so I, I, Kevin, you know what? Like, I know you're really busy and typically you're like, I know you're looking at this and you're probably looking at a bunch of stuff and I know that you'll need it, but if you don't actually, like, I'll feel confident enough to call out that people like you won't actually do anything because you just get so busy. And I'll say something like, but I want to make sure that I'm, I'm helping you out here. So let's do this. Let's get you on the calendar for next week. We'll do another another call to go through the motions again. Um, and then after that, we'll set you up with onboarding after you've subscribed. Um, any concerns with that? Like, like I'm, I'm getting up. I'm, I'm also collaborating. I'm getting their opinion. Um, but again, short answer is it goes back to to the disco um, and, and making sure you find out about the timeline, who they're evaluating in terms of competitors. That's a big one. A lot of times AEs go in blind. They have no idea who they're, they're up against. Um, yeah. No, and, I, and I love that. And I do. I want people to go back and listen again to the difference between what he's asking versus where he's guiding. Let's set this up. Let's set this up. Let's get something on the calendar. Let's do this. This is the next best thing for us to do here. And you guide them because we do forget this, I think, often in sales. We sell this every day. Our buyers buy it once. And so they may not know a good timeline. They may not know the right good steps, right? They'll just say, uh, yeah, send me an email. And they don't even know what the best right. steps are in order to actually bring this across the line. So being that guide of saying, so normally legal gets involved next. And we both know legal is going to tear this contract apart. So why don't we go through it together first? You can get ahead of it and then we can send it off, right? And like being that guide on how to buy, I think is overlooked often by people. Yeah, I think salespeople also need to focus more about like what's in it for them versus what's in it for me. So when they're setting up next steps because their manager told them to, they're thinking about it uh, as in like what's in it for me as the rep. And so they they push the next steps, but it comes off like why should I put next steps? Or they send an email, um, an email with like added value, but it's really not what's in it for them. It's what's in it for me. Um, so that's why you said it earlier, which I loved. It's, it's like collaboration. Like, how do we do this? How do we get this to the next step? And asking that question to the prospect, that's more about like what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. So real quick tip for y'all, value is determined by the receiver. If they can't use it, it's not value. So just keep that in mind, that value-based follow-up or that value-based prospecting. If they can't use what you gave them, it is not valuable. So just remember that. Yeah, 100%. So Oh, more of my man. This is exactly what I was hoping it to be. Because again, this stuff doesn't get talked about enough out there. So I want to wrap with, you know, kind of the, the final question we always go through, right? Because the name of the podcast is Live Better, Sell Better, right? Because I do have this weird idea that if we took better care of ourselves, if we had more energy, if we had more joy and happiness and fulfillment, that the sales also would improve. What would your live better advice be for people hmm. listening? Um, I do this every morning. Um so I um, like we we'll we'll go about our day and then we'll get stuck and we'll think that the computer and the world that's happening on the other side, like software, sales, or whatever it is, is like the center of the universe. 
and then and like we sort of like tunnel vision we ignore everything around us but in the morning when you wake up and you go outside and just look at like the trees or whatever it is you're like holy shit there's a world beyond this world it's kind of like the matrix like there's a real world and so we we lose sight of of that when we're spending time in the computer and so what i do in the morning is i have um a, a list of affirmations like just i have my own affirmations that i write down it's corny it's rah 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 but you know what if you think about it um and i heard this last night actually meditation what is meditation it's being able to sort of imagine and use your brain to imagine something and calm yourself down and live in the moment if someone's really being really negative or being really angry or being really sad whatever it is what are they doing they're essentially meditating they're just meditating on the wrong thing they're using their brain to imagine things that are negative so in order i I think the way to anchor your day is to meditate properly earlier in the morning and by just doing affirmations like we we do so such negative self-talk all the time we're essentially doing affirmations all the time but it's just negative affirmations Mm -hmm. just fight fire with fire do positive affirmations repeat the same things over and over and over again throughout the day like my affirmation doc paper is like right literally right i was just gonna say i got my cards right here right it's right here and if i feel for the moment that i'm feeling stressed out and i'm like losing sight of reality I'll pull it up. I'll close the camera. I'll step aside. I'm still in my environment, my stressful environment. And then I'll say my affirmations. It's easy to be not stressed when you're not in the stressful environment. But if you're able to do that in in the environment, that's better. But that, yeah, affirmations. I do this in the morning. I love it. It's funny, man. I I got my cards right there. Like just the same idea in between a meeting, right before something like just flip through them a little bit and just reinforce who you need to be who you need to be right and so ah more my man this was phenomenal where can people get more of you where can they follow you where can they get more of your your content yeah they can follow me on linkedin um you can listen to my podcast sass talks from lead to close i don't talk about prospecting it's all in like once you actually get the lead um yeah check out my podcast that's not to close uh follow me on linkedin uh, i have a newsletter FTC newsletter it's on my future section yeah yeah, my man. Well, I appreciate you, your energy, your insights, your tactics here. Thank you so much, my dude. This is great. Thanks, man. Appreciate oh, yeah. it.